0: Through the fathomless depths of space swims the star turtle, the great Atuan, and on its back are four nerds just trying to figure out what it is that makes Terry Pratchett's work, both timely and timeless. So pack your bucket and sand trowel, don't forget to water your hermit, and join us on our journey through snuff and the complete discography. Good evening and welcome to The Complete Discography. Uh, As we follow our way through all 41 books in the main Discworld series, um, someday we'll maybe come back on and talk about the uh, ancillary works, or maybe not, who knows, life's a mystery. Tonight we are talking about the 39th book in the Discworld series, Snuff, first published uh, simultaneously, according to my edition, in uh, Great Britain and the United States, According to Wiki,
1: it, uh the the British release was two days later. Oh snap! Oh wow, wild! Um, because because I I I just because this lodged in my brain because the uh the release of Snuff was October eleventh two two thousand uh, eleven, which was my twenty first birthday.
0: Huh. Hey. So yeah, that the we're gonna talk about this book. Uh, but first we should probably introduce ourselves. Anna, do you want to lead us off?
2: Sure. I'm Anna, and I'm pursuing the exciting career options in professional hermitry. Hermitage? I don't know what the adjective is there.
1: I am Justin, forever, still trying to find my sea, or uh, I guess river, legs.
3: I'm an angry staff officer, and I, um, not unlike death, also believe that cats uh, make life interesting and worth living.
0: Funny story, though. This is one of only two books where death does not actually appear.
3: It's true. It's a marked absence.
0: Uh and I am Aaron and I prefer my bacon, lettuce, and tomato sandwiches with extra Avec.
2: That is entirely in character for you. Uh,
0: I mean, really. Uh and Who also doesn't? with extra bacon and maybe with less lettuce.
3: The vime's
1: special. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what about the brown sauce? Uh, you know. Okay,
1: if it's there. This, this is the thing this is the thing I actually want to ask. What is brown sauce? Like what is that supposed to be? I just I have no cultural reference for this. Probably
0: like HP sauce. Okay. Uh, it's like, uh, it's like kind of similar to like, imagine if you took ketchup and mixed it with tamarind chutney, but also made it smooth.
3: So it's a British thing.
0: Yeah. It's a British yeah. thing. So it's weird. So H- weird. That, that British sounds stuff.
2: pretty like HP sauce.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, HP sauce is a brown
2: sauce. Yeah.
3: Wikipedia agrees with you.
2: It's good stuff. Uh,
0: and HP sauce, okay. by the way, stands for houses of parliament weird things to know, I don't know um britain was a
1: mistake <laughs> <laughs> i mean i like i'm saying this with the like this is the least lie to draw but england was a mistake and
3: yet and yet it once ruled half the world
0: yeah uh,
3: There's a lot lot to think about
0: justin uh, jude will fight you to the death about brown sauce probably <laughs> well, I, I, he does not listen to the podcast <laughs> that's true
2: <laughs> he can have opinions when he reads a discworld book yeah <laughs> Here you go. Um,
0: But that voice that you heard that is not Anna or Justin is our guest tonight. Uh, Angry Staff Officer, do you want to actually introduce yourself?
3: Yeah, that'd probably be a good idea. And like, you know, why is this this person with a weird name? Um, hi, I'm Angry Staff Officer. I'm from a uh, pseudonymous, pseud, pseudonymous? Sure, we'll go with that. Um, yeah. Twitter account, um, wherein uh, I mostly snark about things military- uh, but also, also Discworld because I mean, Snark and Terry Pratchett sort of go in the same breath, uh, and that's uh, and that's sort of how uh, how I wound up here.
0: Um, also a great series of little um, fictions set uh, in and around the Star Wars universe that I I think were one of my one of the first things I found when I first discovered your account.
1: Yeah, the the the. I think it was the like the the operational analysis of Rogue One. <laughs> it was like I I like I knew of your account because of like I've read this and I had a really good chuckle out of it. Uh.
3: Yeah, I think most people sort of came to my account either one of two ways: either blog posts about uh, s- applying contemporary military operational art and science to the universe of Star Wars, or me getting really drunk and tweeting about history.
4: <laughs> Those are the two
3: and sometimes the Venn diagrams overlap. So that's that's usually. And then I think some people like came in by accident and they're, they were like, "Oh, <laughs> he has something serious to say." And then I try to rapidly disappoint them as quickly as possible.
0: You know, I think maybe there was like a dialogue between you and Swift on security or something at some point. Yes, <laughs> there <laughs> yeah. was
3: that too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's talk about your Discworld experience. What was do you remember your first Discworld?
3: I think I came to Discworld via Good Omens um, hmm. because Good Omens was my one of my sister's favorite books, and she was after me forever to read it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, and then I put off reading it. I put off reading it. And then I read it, and then I got really angry because it was the perfect book, and I could never write. No one can ever write anything better than Good Omens, and it was very irritating um, <laughs> to meet perfection. Uh, so I, I obviously, I very much enjoy good omens. And then I was like, oh, I should check out these these two these two guys who wrote it and immediately Terry Pratchett was, I think I think Guards guards was my first
4: mm-hmm.
3: and I've read them all completely out of order. Um, <laughs> so at some point, I need to go back and actually just read them all in order, but I read them all out of order for the most part. And, um, I don't regret a thing, but it does mean that I think I have a slightly disjointed view of the Discworld universe.
0: I mean, you know, according to, uh, Terry himself, the, the history of Discworlds shattered a few times. So,
3: and I, right. I mean, I feel like it's that sort of asynchronous with what Discworld is. So I, I'm cool with it.
0: So you're kind of just like a time monk wandering back and forth. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Are there any books in particular in the series that are like comfort reads for you or that you go back to for, you know, contemplation?
3: I really love Monstrous Regiment. I mean, yeah, super cliche Mm -hmm. that the army guy likes the book about. I just, I love it. Um, It's hilarious. The interpersonal dynamics and then just the, the absolute, Sledgehammer on gender dynamics that he brings down, especially with the military, is fantastic. And I love it. Um, and it's really good storytelling. It's fun. Um, and I don't get tired of it. I think anything regarding Vimes and the Night Watch are, those are my general, those are my comfort reads. Um, Sam Vimes is sort of that, I, I don't know, that voice that my conscience sort of would sound like if my conscience also was more violent and smoked a lot and um <laughs> you know was Sam Vibes.
0: Have you ever wished you could arrest an entire army?
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Often.
0: <laughs> it would
3: make life so much easier. <laughs> but yeah, I think um I, and I think as we talk through this book, um, which I'm uh, I really, I really love, um there's a lot of Sam Vimes that gets he becomes more and more Sam Vimes as the as time goes on as Terry Pratchett develops his character um, in ways that I don't know I just find like as someone who's in the military and is sort of on this you know not in law enforcement but on that fringe of like what is ethical and what is a what is a a city even if it's Anchore Pork like what is a city's duty what is a nation's duty to its people. Um, and, and what is the duty of people who are in the service of that nation or state? So that's really why I like Sam Bimes so much.
0: Yeah. I'd forgotten until this read through how much Sam, Terry through Sam sort of interrogates the question of, you know, the really the the militarization of police and and the that dividing line between between the military and, and the police and. Just, you know, even today I was just like, what would Terry have thought of the last couple of years? You know?
3: Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of glad that he doesn't have to see it. Um yeah. because yeah, there's that whole he has that great line where he, you know, what is the difference between a soldier and and a cop? Um mm-hmm. and that's something that a lot of people are asking. And and I really being able to use fiction to be able to tell a lot of this, um, is and, and rather than me having to just like I sometimes feel like I get preachy, um, and so just being able to lay down like a Sam, like a Terry Pratchett quote, I can just be like, "There, this is this uh, this summarizes."
4: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. This one, I, I, I it is a. I, we we can get to the summary in a moment, but I, I, I think this is an interesting like divergence because it is like it's still very much a Vimes book, but. It, I think it's, I think it skirts a lot of, it skirts the majority of usually when we're ta- when we're doing a guards book or a Vimes book, there's a lot of talk about like, you know, what the role of the watch is and everything, but this is a detour into a, uh, it's like a side genre that Vimes rightfully should inhabit.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting way to use Vimes.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of, Justin, do you want to uh, quickly lay out the, the summary of snuff? Yeah,
1: I think this might be one of my longer ones for Discworld, so let, let just buckle in. And <laughs> <sighs> Sam Vimes is taking a holiday. Whether it is of his own free volition is up for some debate, but a trip to the ancestral Ramkin estate in the country with his family has him smelling a crime in this idyllic setting. Sam learns of the area's previous issues with their goblin population, including a pub with a stuffed goblin's head and through the help of children's author miss felicity beetle and local upstart blacksmith Jeffro jefferson learns something is a foul also lord rust appears and tells vimes that nothing is a, that there's nothing wrong which is the biggest indication that something is wrong <laughs> uh, vimes is framed for jethro's murder he's fine don't worry he'll he shows up at the end of the book he's just been disappeared By the HOA, as he had got into a fistfight with Jethro, but Vine just says, no thank you, I don't want to be arrested, and only intensifies his investigation. With the help of a goblin named Stinky, they find the goblins' caves and find that a goblin girl was murdered the previous evening. Miss Beetle is also present in the cave, who reveals that her mother was raised by goblins, and so she helps educate them. Vimes confronts a local criminal who reveals after some supernatural investigation, the, the the summoning dark stuck around (laughs) y'all, um, that the murderer of the goblin is a man named Stratford who's working for Lord Rust's businessman, son, Gravid. Gravid rust is just a name. That is a name that existed and Terry Pratchett made it. (laughs) I, and there are very few crimes that Terry Pratchett did. Gravid rust is one of them. Um, Vine discovers that three years before, a large number of goblins were enslaved and shipped away, it, which leads us to our watch part of the plot. After Sergeant Cullen goes into a coma by being possessed by a goblin ungu pot, their investigations start to intertwine with Vimes, and it's discovered that these goblins have ended up on Gravid Rust's tobacco plantations, where goblins are being worked to death. Vimes learns of another pogrom to enslave goblins, taken on a riverboat to be shipped off to Hawandaland. Land. Vimes boards the vessel with Chief Constable Upshot, who he has been mentoring. They work their way through the boat in a terrible storm, free the goblins, save the captain's family, and confront Stratford, fending him off uh, before uh, helping guide the boat to safety. For which Vimes is hailed as a hero. Vimes wakes up in Quirm, where he finds that the goblins have been taken on another on another boat, which, with the help of the Quirmian police, they board and save. Stratford, however, is not in the boat. Vimes frees the goblins and saves Jethro. Yeah, he was here on the boat. He, that's a there. The second boat is just the uh, whatever. I'm, <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Before returning home with his family on a pleasure boat. What you don't Stratford like, Captain tri- Murderer? <sighs> Stratford tries to kill young Sam there, but is defi- defeated by Vimes and Willikins. Stratford escapes the prison codes, but is killed by Willikins and the great alfred with a shotgun moment <laughs> after it all sybil organizes a gala to convince the worlds of the right of goblins and with the help of a musical performance from a goblin girl convinces all of the nations the disc to grant goblins equal rights under the law's other sapient creatures gravid rust is disinherited and sent to 4x with the hint that one of Veninari's dark clarks is there to watch him a year later while attending a wedding vibes learns that the events of his holiday have been turned into a novel Pride and extreme prejudice,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and as it is a long book, uh Justin skipped over some small parts, but yeah, yeah, it's uh it's quite a book uh so Justin, broad impressions
1: I had fun with it i I enjoyed the shift of genre, I think that. I think that one thing that Terry has done, does really well with Vimes is, is like, placing the character of Vimes in different little sub mm-hmm. of thriller. Yeah. Um, because he hasn't, because the, the mystery is still there, but it's like he's shifting enough of the setting that I don't think the Vimes books ever feel repetitive, which I think you can very easily do with a character like Vimes. And we're getting, like, Countryside Detective here, which is interesting i I think it i think it mostly sets out for what it's trying to do very well um i also think that the like the general thrust of this book is maybe like the direct and final conclusion of terry's evil is when you treat people like things thesis Mm -hmm. yeah i also however i do think the the pacing of this book is It's, it's
2: a struggle
1: it's i'm very glad i was listening to it on audiobook Um, even if that was still a little bit of a, uh, of a, of a work. Um, but overall it was like, I could have gone for another of the style of like Vimes on vacation books. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, overall I real I, I enjoyed it. It's one of those things where I think I have become enough of a Terry Pratchett fan in the last three years and change where it's like. I am a I am enough of a fan that I am forgiven. Like you know, in a like I'm not as critical as I was when we were reading sorcery. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and he's he's kind of gone back to the pacing where he has like the big set piece action thing that feels like it's the end at about the sixty percent mark,
4: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and then you're yeah. there being like what's the rest of the book going to be and it and like sometimes he escalates from there and this did not did not do that
3: yeah whole moments where i cuz i was you know like you Justin, I listened to it again like for the second or third time and i was like why don't i remember whole portion oh right yeah. because the structure is so all over the place that you're never quite sure yeah. what is the what's the real plot line here like
4: is yeah, yeah
3: where where exactly is this going is this is like this about goblin rights is this about Sam vimes is angry about being on vacation and he's always a cop and he can't stop being a cop
1: yeah <laughs>
3: is this yeah
1: i like i joke about it but it's like literally like like a good like there there's like i what i assume would be about thirty pages are jethro is missing the h o a tries to have vimes arrested. <laughs> And like, that's literally what it is. It's an HOA.
2: Yeah, um, yeah absolutely.
1: Like, I don't know what they have over in England. I, but like, that is what it is. But like, <laughs> that is a, this is a very American feeling of a, of a group of landowners saying exactly what you could do on your property or not. Which is
0: why, as I was reading this again, I was like, this reminds me of Hot Fuzz. 110%. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yeah. Um, like in so many ways. You said, yeah, you,
2: you put that in your notes, Aaron, and I was like, oh my god, it really <laughs> is hot fuzz. Yeah. Like you've got Vimes yeah. as Simon Pegg to upshots, you know, Nick Frost. <laughs> yes. And yeah. it's great.
0: And an evil HOA. And, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. Like the village counts or whatever they call it over there. But yeah, and and like after that initial scene, like the village like the, the magistrates, that's what they are, um, just disappear for the next 40% of the book. Yeah. Um, And they come up again when I, uh, when we need a clerk to divulge more information. There are some themes we could talk about with how the fact that we never meet any of the, uh, of the magistrates. I mean, one could say like, Hey, that's how it, that's how it does feel in real life where the people, people committing great societal harm, are in fact the ones who are least visible to us.
2: Yeah.
3: And also I think that there's a subtext of, there's a different law in different places. I and mean, mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest mm-hmm. themes I think he has, where he like he's so intent on showing, chief, eventually, Chief Constable Upshot, uh, how the law works and how it's supposed to work, and not that it's just a performative thing that you do based off of what these people who are your villain? Yeah. Now, now that as soon as you said "Hot Fuzz," it's like it exploded in my mind. that it's like, oh my <laughs> god, that I now I need to go like find out like whether Hot Fuzz was based off of Snuff. Uh, well, um,
0: no, Hot Fuzz it, predates predates Snuff by four years. Oh, so
2: just, so it it may be plausible that it goes the other way around. Yeah. In fact,
0: yeah, I
1: like a go, lot of. I, I'm gonna learn ratchet. necromancy just to, just to, just. To,
0: the, the other thing that is funny is that, you know, they've they've talked about, like, in, in many of Iams' books, that he's talked about the, the hot pursuit, like, principle, and mm-hmm. I feel like this is the first time that he's actually really, really used it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: because he just pulls the laws of Ankh-Morpork along with him.
3: Right. I mean, he's going, like, literally, somebody who's a, a like, what, what is it, a riparian? Whoever does river law. Like, that's actually a thing, especially in England. Like, laws laws regarding water are different from England to the US um and there is just so much Yeah. He, ha- he goes into that like you know what happens if somebody upstream does a thing and then he's just like whatever ankmore everywhere i touch is ankmore
1: <laughs> <laughs> which i mean uh, like you know there there's a part where you want to say like like that's the hero doing the hero stuff but it is an incredibly colonial view of saying or
3: America yeah I (laughs) mean yeah this is like Team America World Police except it's Sam Vimes and we love Sam Vimes and we know he's not gonna do anything wrong so we're okay with it but yeah absolutely it is it's got some some troubling uh, troubling vibes there
0: yeah and you know also we have Sam but then we also have his his shadow uh, Wilkins who whether or not Sam wants him to does the things that Sam's not willing to do
4: yeah
2: Oh, and, and speaking of genre shift and, like, references to other things, I really got a, like, Lord Peter, Whimsy, and uh, Bunter mm-hmm. vibe between the two where, like,
3: yep,
2: Bunter always is able to do the technical things yep. that, for various definitions of technical things, including <laughs> photography and forensics and et cetera. Things with Lord weapons.
4: Peter,
2: yeah. And I, I, I think it's interesting – um, as a parallel actually, because you know, Lord Peter is also a like extremely haunted character that he has, you know, he has shell shock, et cetera, and has been like fundamentally, you know, changed by his experiences. And you know, here we have Vime sitting, you know, fundamentally changed by his experiences with the summoning dark. Mm. Um mm-hmm. and haunted in a similar way.
3: Absolutely. And there's also like, I mean, because Bunter is also a great war veteran and so mm-hmm. Lord Peter needs him to be there because they've seen the same things and so they can understand it. Uh Willikens sort of has this like dark past that everyone keeps constantly alluding to. Um yeah. and which also vibes with Sam Vimes sort of, you know, mm-hmm. his hard hard knock upbringing. So there's sort of that like that shared trauma bonding. I think that's a yeah. that's a mm-hmm. great point.
0: Yeah. The, you know, the thing that really stuck out to me this read as well was just this one little bit where he's where Sam's musing on the fact that like, or is it Sam or is it veterinary? I can't remember which, but there's the a meditation on the fact that like Sam now is so important in the world that if something were to happen to him, wars would start.
1: I, I Symbol also points it out. I think yeah. in, the, in the book at, some, at one point, like maybe not like wars would start, but it's like more people than you would imagine care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is I trying to think of like, there, there's a term that I've heard for this and like, I mean, it's basically like, oh God, I can't believe I'm doing this. I, I can't believe I'm making this comparison. <laughs> but It's like a star Wars EU where like four people <laughs> end up running like everything. <laughs> because just like, you don't kill off your, like you don't kill off your main characters and they keep growing because the, like they get, they get rewarded for success. Um, and it's to the point where I like vibes is basically Peter principled. I like, he's actually competent and he's like, he's actually worked to become better, but he's basically pre Peter principled himself to be like the second most powerful person on the disc.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Against his will.
0: Very much against his will. Um, so let's jump forward to themes a little bit. Uh, the one that I, that I I was trying to, trying to figure out how to put into words, but it's like, um, there's this idea that laws have to be responsive as, op- as opposed to, like, created before a a crime is committed. And so, you know, the the thing with the goblins is that people have to first acknowledge that it's a crime to hurt them in order for it to become a law. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, all of the stuff that, that goes on with, with Upshot.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Or, or that they have to be... Um... They have to not only not only do they the there have to be a law that it's bad to, to sort of hurt them, but it's also like they have to be recognized as individuals. So there has to be recognition, which is I feel like it's the buried lead of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. it's like at literally at the very end, that's like, you know, hey, equality. Um yeah. and and it's sort of not exactly the um, it's not, it, it's not immediately visible as sort of the main theme that ties everything together, but yeah, like that, that's sort of, it, it, it's all sort of built on one on the other. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's the line of, of like the, the one that really stuck out to me and like the sort of, you were so worried about legal and illegal that you never stopped to think about whether it was right or wrong. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: that's how it should be. And I mean, it's. At one point, you know, for one side, it's like you can't you can't just say, oh, hey, this this is wrong. We're going to charge you. We need to, like, I'm punishing people for laws that haven't been created. You know, that is an important part of, at least, you know, in America, our constitution. But at the same time, it's like there are things that are like, you know, maybe we have, you know, maybe this hasn't been considered as a crime or we are not like the law isn't catching up. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things with art like would say like artist rights right now and uh, machine learning that,
2: or know, and just and just like IP law in general has been yeah. you know uh, lagging aside from like the mouse pushing yeah. increasing copyright.
1: Yeah, I mean it's like I mean the fact of it is is that you know the average age of our representatives and government are standard deviations higher than the average age of our populace and they can't keep up with like tech new technologies and new methods and new and new businesses.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also slavery is <laughs> bad according to this yeah. book. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. No,
1: I mean, it's compare.
2: I, how far have we come from the, from the jokes about the slave pits and Inkmore pork in color of magic.
0: Mm. Yeah. yeah. 38 books.
1: <laughs> I joked to Aaron. I was like, "This is the first time I wanted to drink while reading *Pratchett* since *Witches Abroad*, <laughs> uh, because like the like the the tobacco farms and stuff were just fucking harrowing." Yeah, yeah. and that's
3: some sort of when we talk about like being punishing people for laws that haven't been written about. You know, I look back to like 1850s U.S. time frame, and you're looking at like the abolitionist movement that is actively trying to. Both politically and then sort of like in this, you know, uh, underground movement, the underground railroad, being able to undermine the laws that are in place because they're thinking about what's, you know, they're not thinking about what's legal and illegal, they're thinking about what's right. In it is a very that's such a slippery slope. Uh, <laughs> where in that case, you're like, yay, go team, everyone, this is awesome. Um, you know, we love, we love it in uh when it happens t- when there's oppression going on. Um, when it's happening. like from a, you know, sort of fascist regime or some other form of coercion, um, not great. That's, that's, and it's sort of using this sort of that same logic of, well, we believe that this is what is good. And so, you know, this is how we're going to uh, uh, pursue law enforcement.
0: And, you know, this isn't the first book where, where Vimes has discussed how privilege literally means private law. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and you know, and in this case, he really does use his privilege as, you know, Lord Commander, Duke, etc., to enforce laws that don't, that exist, you know, not necessarily on paper, but in, in his heart of hearts.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, speaking also with the privilege, private law, one of the, one of the major themes I thought was the the difference in the way that the law applies to the poor versus the rich you know that there's the um people who are going to be hanged as a result of all of this and then you've got you know gravid rust who's i mean sure he's disinherited but he's off to forex to like live a happy life with discount wine yeah i mean
1: the um uh, i mean the worst thing that is going to happen to gravid rust is he will get, I mean, there is a possible worst end for him, which is he is murdered by a poisonous spider in which he will die a slow and painful
4: death.
3: Prayers <laughs> <Fires laughs> up. I mean, the worst thing about Gravid Rust is that he will continue to be Gravid Rust and be named <laughs> <Yeah>. Gravid Rust. across <laughs> enough to bear for anyone. Yeah, I think the that whole, um, the, I mean, you see that in, even in just in the classism that's built into the world in, in Ankh-Morpork. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. That that there is clearly a very different standard. I would, you know, if I was reading anywhere anything else, and especially anything other than this specific Terry Pratchett book, I'd be like, all right, maybe we're reading too much into it. It's fantasy. But this is the one where Terry <laughs> Pratchett beats you over the head. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Yeah, uh, what are you what are you thinking? Like, you want to know what I think about these things? Well, here, uh, I'm gonna hit you over the head with a stuffed eel skin filled with my beliefs.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Rere- you know, rereading this one, I felt like it was the, you know, he's he's writing like he's running out of time, which he ultimately yeah. was, you know, and knew he was that um, this is possibly the angriest book in the entire, you know, that we've read so far. Certainly, I would say my, my overall take on it is like, it, you know, it's weaker than most Discworld books in like, almost every way, except for the ways that really matter.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Right. The 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 pride the 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 Jane Austen just like (laughs) like inserts constantly just throw like as I was listening to it I was like wait Harry what are you doing like why are you you living do you have like this weird like fantasy world of of like Jane Austen being in your work I mean which he then sort of does um, but it doesn't quite fit in my opinion.
2: And and the pacing.
1: There's like really one big scene of it, but like the uh, the mom, the mom inviting Sam over so they can annoy him to the point where he's like retells all all the all the daughters to get a life. (laughs) Um, Good job. Yeah, (laughs) like to purposefully do that is like, I think that is very funny. Of just like yeah, you, you know, ending up there and just like oh, thank God.
0: And you couldn't resist, resist sneaking one dick joke. Yep, I joke. was going
1: to say, yeah, I know, one dick right?
2: joke. <laughs> and, and a balls joke, too, with the, you know, that Vibes is about to say, that's a lot of balls.
3: All the things, that, yeah, all the things that country people do. Uh,
2: <sighs> the, the other, like, theme that I wanted, the, the kind of theme theme that I wanted to call out, too, is it kind of gets dropped, but... There is a continuation on the musing that we saw in "I Shall Wear Midnight" on like the the trope of the benevolent benevolent land, landlord. Like there, we had it with the Baron, and here we have it with the uh, the Ramkins. Um, and the that's been an interesting theme to me of like, you know, okay, the, you know, the landlord is like benevolent, but it's also still a landlord. Yeah. <laughs> Right, like they still have power over all the people on their land.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it and it's shown that like the Ramkins haven't visited there in decades, and it is a perfectly fine society that runs on its own, mm-hmm. and in fact
0: does not need a landlord with a yeah. staff of like a hundred plus people. Yeah,
3: or yeah, I feel like the Ramkins gonna just could just like say something like, "Well, you know, it's a jobs program. You know, we're just ensuring that everyone has a job by right. yeah, ensuring yeah. that we've got." 50 maids and 50 footmen. Um, yeah. It, and Sam trying to like bring up like toying with like the whole inequity thing and his wife just being like, whatever it's cool. We're good people.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I And that's the case where it's like, you have the like Sybil has been born into this. She does not question it. And, it's, it's the whole thing of like, you know, like, you know, those more wealthy uh, ladies who do a lot of charity work, but don't question like, you know, what like, you know, what could be the radical things I do with this wealth? Because you don't want to lose that wealth.
2: Well, and and by the t- by the time we hit the end of the book, Sybil has done some wrestling with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. That like by the end, she's she's furious that none of the other society women in the area cared at all about the goblins, et cetera. Mm
1: -hmm. I I, I do think the end of the book is sort of a, I I think between like Sybil and Sam is a really great, like it's, it's like a, it's a good ribbon at the end of like Sam's story because I know Mm -hmm. Sam will appear in Raising Steam, but I am because it's the last book in which he is a main character. I will consider it the end of his Real yeah. story, mm-hmm. um, because Sam acts very. Di- Sam is viewed very differently in books where Sam is not the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like, the, you know, there's the constant question of like, Sam continually granted more, like getting more power is like, what is this for? Well, it's to make a better world, and in the end, we see that like, Sam and Sybil using that power they have to like you know change the world's perception of a species rights which I, mean, I think is really it, it 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 is a great answer to the question of like well what was this all
0: for yeah so I i put this down in the in the bottom but I feel like I want to bring it up here um partially because Rob mentioned it in the recording too uh a lot of the goblin stuff was because Terry was obsessed with Elder Scrolls four
3: no kidding.
0: Yes, um, oh my to God. the point where he struck up a friendship with a modder who had made a, comp- a modded companion that he liked, who then, uh, among other things, made him a uh, a modded item that would turn the goblins not hostile in the game because he didn't like that you didn't have a choice not to fight them. So that's where a lot of this came from, actually, was obsessively playing Elder Scrolls Four.
3: I legit don't even know what to do without a piece of information. That's incredible.
2: <laughs> and th- and this is why I'm like, maybe there was a little bit of influence of hot fuzz in this. <laughs> <You're right.
0: laughs> yeah, one of one of the. I mean, I'll, I'll put the link to this article in Eurogamer in the in the show notes. But uh, one of the things that the modder did for for Terry was uh, put some quality of life improvements where the the um, the follower would be able to lead him out of a dungeon if he'd gotten lost in it or to pick a thing for him to do next. Because at that point his, his short term memory was starting to fail.
3: That's amazing.
0: It was literally an assistive device. That's
3: incredible. Amazing.
0: Yeah. she the, the modern question. uh, She was actually invited and came to the book premiere, which was on a steamboat in the town on the Thames. Of course it was.
3: Why wasn't it like, why wouldn't it be? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, I thought that was just important to mention right at the beginning. well, or nearly an hour into this, uh, <laughs> but also getting Felicity Beetle, possibly the most author-insert <laughs> character Terry has done.
2: Uh, oh yeah,
1: he heard that writers spent all day in their dressing gowns <laughs> drinking champagne. This is, of course, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely true.
2: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's such. A, it's
3: like it's uh, so much self-reflection going on.
0: <laughs> but also, forty-seven books. 47 mostly kids books, according to, you know, Terry, uh, mm-hmm. but with a core of, you know, molten iron. Yeah.
3: Yeah. The, the introduction of Felicity, Felicity Beetle, I feel like, was also a bit of a, I think Vimes needed a foil. Um, mm-hmm. And she, I, I don't know if she, how much she was reflecting Terry's own sort of, wit slash frustrations with being a writer that that is sort of reflected in their interchanges back and forth uh so i think that like that i, I don't know there's so much of terry pratchett in sam vimes hmm. but i also feel like he's sort of slightly battling with his author self
1: <laughs> it, yeah i mean it, it's like the like v- the Vimes is the angry part of terry and felicity beetle is the wonder of terry
2: yeah maybe. Another thing that I think was really interesting in terms of like, you know, potentially Vimes-Terry relationship, et cetera, is how much this book, how much time this book spends tackling the, actually t- tackling the impact on Vimes of his now very elevated social status in a way that has not generally been done like previously previously basically like he's had this elevated status, but he's like basically just been the same old Vimes. Mm-hmm. But especially seeing him around his family and and seeing, you know, seeing his how he relates to the house in the Shires and you know, the staff there and stuff like that, you know, the his new his new social position has started to change him. I think him wrestling with that has been interesting
0: yeah watching watching his son start to become one of those people who would be in like the uh the trespassers society uh. mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you can see that in his interactions in the village um and the tavern with the people in the I love where he talks about farm implements that can be used as weapons <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh but yeah just all of all of his interactions where he's trying to just be old Sam Vimes but he cannot be. Like he yeah. l- literally is not allowed to be.
0: Oh wow, a well, bill hook is just a machete, isn't
2: it? Yeah.
3: Yeah, mm. basically on a stick.
2: And I think I think also throughout the course of this book he's kind of starting to accept in some ways like the um, the ways in which he can make things better in his new status that he couldn't as good old Sam Vimes. Yeah, you know, that pr- previously I think he v- he's viewed it as like essentially entirely negative. Other than mm. that, mm-hmm. you know, he loves his wife yeah. and his son and Wilkins.
3: You see him and Sybil both sort of coming to a realization about privilege and its duties. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sybil especially. Yeah. Like that's sort of her denouement at the end is like, I have a duty for this. I think Sam, yeah, as you point out, Sam has a realization that it's... He has the ability to literally become a world policeman, which again keeps bringing us back to that like troubling point of yes, it's great when it's Sam Vimes, and we would love for Sam Vimes to like for there to be a Sam Vimes in every situation. Um, it's just you can't set a precedent for uh, crossing yeah. <laughs> multiple international boundaries and uh, you know, just doing your law enforcement thing, commandeering boats, you know, privateering essentially. <laughs>
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Sam Vimes goes pirate. I would actually, I would read that book.
2: <laughs> so would I.
0: Yeah. I, I love this, you know, jumping back for a second to, to, um, Lady Sybil. Um, I love that little line where they describe her, her address book as, um, a weapon of persuasion matched only by the ballista. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: This is, this is a great book for some like really small, hilarious quotes that just like, that just get, slip it slipped in just like the the i know that i'm a small weak small weak man but i've amassed a large library i dream of dangerous places like that's <laughs> yes. just so great yeah.
4: yeah
2: i have i have so many lines highlighted where it was like that's just a great line mm-hmm.
3: vime's lack of interest in other people's children was limitless <laughs> god <this is>
2: such <laughs> a, <laughs>
1: the greatest
0: mood
3: <laughs> like you can't i i, I don't it Again, it's one of those things where, like, a sentence that's crafted so well that it's troubling.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or Willikens saying, the only important thing in a fight to the death is that the death should not be yours. Right. Uh, Or Uh, the son, the criminal, I believe the word is entrepreneur. That's for sure. One of my favorite
1: lines is the, do not seek perfection. Yes. That exists. Mm. And all we can do is strive.
3: Love that one. I literally actually just texted a friend who is like going through some self reflection the other day. I literally texted that quote because I'm like, This is it ain't gonna be perfect, you just gotta just strive.
0: Or any drive to reduce paperwork only results in extra paperwork. God, that is so true. I think the oh, Department I saw you flinch Def- for that one.
1: The Department <laughs> of Defense <laughs> like read that. And My like, eyes are glazing over, I'm just like. <laughs>
2: Having just been to a presentation today on how, you know, on the procedures when introducing a new uh, thing that the public can interact with, that you have to estimate the time that it will take to fill out this form. and
0: Oh, yeah. I, I spent a long time today writing a multi-page list of the things that we need to produce in terms of documentation.
3: it reminds me of when i was in afghanistan and we had a tracker for various staff things and then somebody had the idea of well what if we have a tracker to track the items that are on the tracker and at some point several months down the line there was a tracker for the tracker for the tracker at which point we all just realized we were actually in catch-22 and nothing really (laughs) matters (laughs) oh
1: Overall, I think my MVP of this book is Willikens. Yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, because he's—I mean, it's just Aaron. You described him as Alfred uh, as Alfred with the shotgun. Yeah. Which I mean, it, it's—he really is just a great foil. I think it was—I I, like—I and I think what really makes it work is that it is not somebody in the Watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it is all—but it is also somebody so like Vimes. Um, that it's it's honestly a little scary how like they are, yeah. Just yeah. Slightly different principles.
0: He follows Sam's leads so well that he does things that Sam doesn't even know he needs him to do.
2: And that works so well because he does all the things that Sam needs him to do that Sam can't ask him to do. Yeah,
0: yep. yep. Mm.
2: Um, Mainly
1: involving bodily harm. Of <laughs> others. Yeah, he, he
2: he really is Alfred with the shotgun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Because, yeah, I am like the, the, the scene where he where he's like he's there with the escaped Stratford and it's just all. Yeah, I'm doing this because he's not going. He couldn't he couldn't ever consider it, but this is going to make a better world. Right.
0: Yeah. And also it's my day
1: off.
3: <laughs> it's my day off. <laughs> That's where he has these great that he just drops in fantastic lines like that, like there's so many things where I feel like he used because I think he just wrote so much about the city. Um, with Sam Vimes that he just, I felt like he had a lot to get out when he sort of emerges into the country. And so there's all these, like, <laughs> the, just like, when they go to Constable Upshot is taking him to prison, and there's, like, the giant pig, and it, he's like, the father was a wild boar, the mother was surprised. <laughs> like, <laughs> just...
2: What a line.
3: What a call! And then it could be something as simple as that, and then Forgive me for a a slight, like, monologue, but there's this... So, when someone tells me that they're a history buff, I have to brace myself because I know that I'm either about to hear a monologue on, like, World War II or the Civil War, and probably something in World War II about, like, the Tiger tank. And so, like, you just, like, you steal yourself. And I never found anyone who put this whole thing into words until, as Terry President... Terry Precious says, Vimes died, the sun dropped out of the sky, giant lizards took over the world, and the stars exploded and went out, and all hope vanished and gurgled into the sink trap of oblivion and gas filled the firmament and combusted, and behold, there was a new heaven, or possibly not, and disk and io and possibly verily all life crawled out of the sea, or possibly didn't, because it had been made by the gods, and lizards turned to less scaly lizards, and possibly did not, and lizards turned into bugs, and bugs turned into butterflies, and species of apple turned into banana, and a kind of monkey fell out of a tree, and realized life was way better when you didn't have to spend your time hanging on to something, and only a few billion years of uh, evolved trousers and ornamental stripery hats lastly the game of crockett and there magically reincarnated was vimes a little dizzy standing on the village green looking into the smiling countenance of an enthusiast which is the exact <laughs> that is what happens to me every time someone says they're history buff and i just have to like brace myself because i know i'm about to get
1: it reincarnated I apologize to all, all 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 of my usual co hosts because I have been that person.
3: <laughs> we all are though. We all are in our own ways. Like yeah, yeah. You know, there's always one thing where like someone will say something, your eyes will light up, and like you see the look of panic in their eyes, and they they realize like <laughs> the door is is too far away, they can't get away, and. They just have to grab another drink and deal with it.
2: It's the, you know, the, uh, the blessing and curse of like, you know, being, being friends with somebody who like enjoys info dumping.
3: Yes. Or, or just being friends with people who are passionate about things.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Which we all want. Like everybody, that's the best. Like I love when my friends share their passions with me. Um, it is, it's more, it's dangerous sometimes when you do, as he says, the enthusiast, it's such a great <laughs> term. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah the the other one that i loved was uh uh early in the book veterinari says everyone should occasionally break the law in some small and delightful way i'm not it's good for the hygiene of the brain well,
2: we'll while we're p- pulling quotes i have some uh i have some buttons as oh well. yeah we,
0: we skipped that oh, yeah. section where we yeah. talk about the really like punch you in the face pithy quotes
2: um, so one of my favorites was, I tell you, Commander, it's true that some of the most terrible things in the world are done by people who think, genuinely think, that they're doing it for the best, especially if there's some god involved.
1: Yeah, I'm just <laughs> looking into the camera.
2: <laughs> the other one that I I pulled is um is from is from Angua. Uh, he looked at her defiantly, and she thought, and so one at a time, we all become human human werewolves, human dwarfs, human trolls. The melting pot melts in one direction only. And so we make progress.
0: Yeah.
3: That's a phenomenal one. I know he goes a little hot and heavy sometimes, like especially in this book on some of it. But it's just, I love, I just love that he uses his work to do this um, because it's just a very easy way to show, I don't know, just like how easy a quality can be if you just give up sort of some of the biases and the blocks that are in your brain about, about different things and like finding the commonality.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And that, that thing of the ain't more pork being the melting pot in one direction. That's something that he's been toying with for a while. And he's finally, he's finally said it.
1: I, I, it's one of those things where I'm like, if there had been maybe like two or three more ankmore pork books, I wouldn't be surprised. I, like, I, I, something that I would have liked to see is maybe like a, like sort of a rubber band snap on that of like the the anti assimilationism. Whereas instead of instead of like you know like see, uh, asking the question of you know instead of one ox more pork a, a a pluralism and mul- and ac- and multiculturalism. Yeah. That emerges.
0: Yeah. I mean, f- thinking about how immigration worked here in the U S you know, if, if we had a similar analog in, in ankh Park, like the dwarves and the trolls should be the ones saying, no, we can't let the, the werewolves in. And then the werewolves right. are the ones saying, no, we can't let the goblins in.
3: But again, mm-hmm. I think he's trying to point to, uh, you know, using the, using the realm of fantasy to point to what it could be or what it should be or what it could Mm be. Uh, but yeah, Mm -hmm. the historical example would absolutely be like, you know, the last group that got in establishes the most strict, uh, requirements for, for getting into the city. And they sort of know, like, as you said, I think Justin, like, there's no like breakaway, like, you know, mark work for the dwarves. Like we're going to go form our own, our own part of the city. That's like going to be its Mm -hmm. own special city. And
1: I mean, or, I or there was, or there was, it yeah, just didn't actually, go very well. there was, yeah, there was. I, I, yeah Never was. I, I forgot I, about that one. I mean, I think, I think it's like maybe not something as like radical as that, but like asking the question of, of like, rec- of the question of like, what happens when dwar- when dwarves like start to feel like their culture is actually being drained away by the city and what do you do to reclaim that mm-hmm. or and the, the trolls and stuff i i just like this is one of those things where i'm like i would have been interested to see it but obviously we didn't get that book
2: yeah we started to touch on it i think in thud but
1: mm-hmm.
2: we never we we never got a like full dive
3: we got the summoning dark instead which is its own as you say you know the summoning dark is back um it's a really <laughs> It could be a deus ex machina. I mean, I think in a lot of authors' hands, it could be. I feel like he uses it at least reasonably uh, sparingly and also showing that there is, like, a dark side to this special power as in, like, you know, you're going to want to start absolutely killing lots of people. Um, And that's why you have Willikens. (laughs)
0: but on the plus side it gave him dark sight which you know we all want when we level up right
1: Right. Uh, it's like Sam took one took one level in a warlock uh, for his
0: dark (laughs) pact the other veterinary quote that I loved was uh, if a poor man will spend a year in prison for stealing out of hunger how high would the gallows need to be to hang the rich man who breaks the law out of greed Uh, yeah unfortunately the the answer that we find out is they don't get the gallows yep (laughs) no
1: the it's the answer should be the gala, is that the gallows aren't good enough is that the is that they is that the guillotine needs to be made in, in Discworld, but that is not the that is not the answer we received.
3: Oh my God! Yeah. Could you imagine the French Revolution? Can you imagine Terry Pratchett playing out the French Revolution?
1: Oh my God! I mean, we got a li- we got we got we got his late we got his late biz hit in,
4: uh, <laughs> Night, in Watch. Night Watch, yeah. but yeah.
3: yep. I mean, like yeah, you can just imagine it playing out in Querm. Uh-
2: <laughs> next time, next time, Vimes goes to Querm.
3: Right, there's gonna be barricades in the streets again.
2: Oh man, it's gonna be like, ah, oh, damn it! All right, fine, I'll lead this revolution. Right, <laughs> you're you're making me
3: here. I've got some
1: slogans that I may have gotten from some pastimes about rising up. Ooh. So here's a fun. So, if a Quermian revolution happened, does Vimes end up as Napoleon? Ooh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> we know that Vimes isn't very tall. I was
1: gonna say, I mean, and he would, and my bed would become emperor to do like, and he would reason like he would, he would like he might might not take the title of like emperor, but first citizen maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. What happens
3: to Vetinari? Because I feel like that would be a. Yeah.
1: I think it would have to be a post-veterinary world.
3: It would have, to, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: And then like, he would immediately
3: I, start invading everybody just because, you know. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Cuz they're not along. listening.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not listening. And speaking of a post-veterinary world, this book is starting to move there.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um because this is the first one where he he struggles with the crossword.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't thought about that.
0: Yeah, and he justifies it, but yeah. yeah. It, it The last couple of books with Vetinari, he's been more verbose, less focused. Mm-hmm. But that also reminds me of that scene where where Vimes is like, you know, Vetinari's been teaching me all these years, now it's time for the final test, mm-hmm. which was fascinating. I kind of wonder if maybe he wrote this book and if he wrote I Shall Midnight and this book, like, not knowing if there was going to be another one.
2: Yeah, because mm. because this one feels like the you know, it feels like the end certainly of the Vimes novels. Uh-huh. Um it, you know, there could be there you know, there's ways that you could bring Vimes back, obviously, but this is a very nice bookend on Vimes' story. Um and I shall wear midnight, I was shocked that there's another Tiffany book because I shall wear Midnight feels like it's the end of Tiffany's story.
0: Yeah,
3: there, there is sort of a, a sense of poignancy in a lot of it. Like there's a great quote, uh, what is normal? Normal is yesterday and last week and last month taken together, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which once you start digging, like it's one of those ones where it seems pretty straightforward and they start digging into it and it sort of leads you to to, to think more on you know how normal can change. Normal can can be malleable um and and you can't just be sort of content with this idea well this is normal um and then you had just sort of like you have to imagine how why has it why is it changing why are circumstances changing and you sort of see i don't know it has like a the whole the whole book sort of has that tone that's a little a little bit poignant a little bit like almost feeling like a look back
0: yeah the the end of that concert definitely feels like one of those you know the camera pulls back and we fade to credits kind of things it does really it does really feel like that, like that like sam Sam
1: Vimes's story is not over, but the telling of it is
4: mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
3: because I mean, what else is there for his character to develop? He's done right. his art, he's had his hero's yeah. journey, um, and he's sort of
2: and he's happy. he's happy. yeah, he's happy mm-hmm. in this book at the end. And
3: that's a problem for the rest of us who want Sam Vime's book, because once your character is happy, what are you, what are you supposed to do with them?
2: Although I can't say that
0: fermented beet juice sounds particularly good to me. <laughs>
2: Is no, it fermented? I, I think it's just think, beet juice uh, with like chili peppers in it.
0: Could be. I thought it was like lightly fermented sort of like like traditional root beer, but I could be wrong. Sort of like a kombucha type like
2: Yeah. I thought it was I my vibe was like borscht kombucha.
0: <laughs> oh. Plus that would like stain your entire mouth. <laughs> right? That would stain
1: everything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> i do like this This is like i
1: think the second book where vimes being like uh sober has plated to like has let him get one over on a killer Mm -hmm. yes yes
2: Yes.
0: yeah and that killer too is kind of like a low-budget carcer
2: yeah Yeah.
3: very much so same vibe
2: yeah yeah i was not i was not i was whelmed right (laughs) I, th- I think like he
1: is there, He like he is there not to challenge Sam. He is there to get his ass beat up and down the river. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I mean, I'm fine with the sort of like last one because it's, it's maybe not Sam at the height of his powers, but it isn't, but it's at his most experienced. And mm-hmm. I think this is maybe the one where there's been like the least concerned I've ever, like it's the least threatened. I think Sam has ever been in a book.
3: <laughs> because Willikins is there. Yeah. It's like, as soon as you know that, like, literally, I would get a sigh of relief. Like, no, like, when they're like, oh, and there's Willikins. I'm like, okay, it's fine. Nothing bad will like, happen there.
1: And even, like, the, the action scene on the riverboat and the like, where there are some, like, very dangerous stuff. There's very dangerous stuff happening. It's, there. there's definitely a sense of, like, Vimes is, like, the veteran, like, the 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 experienced, cool, uh, like, even if he is freaking out, uh, adventurer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, like, an it's definitely a, a n- like, 90s action movie set piece. It's mm-hmm. a, a, tr- a train, it's a barge train instead of a train train, but it's still, a, a, like, a, you know, yeah. a train fight. <laughs> yeah, it is.
3: <laughs> Hours, et cetera.
0: So, I want to jump forward to... S- I want to talk a little bit about again, the, the thing that, that this book wrangles with, which is like the role of modern policing in a mostly civil society. Uh, you know, and I'll use that in big air quotes, but like it comes down tentatively on the side of police are there to protect the people from the powerful, which this is maybe a trite, but probably the biggest fantasy element in this book.
4: (laughs) Yeah. I,
1: I think, I think that maybe, like, I think that like Terry's like maybe idea of like you know the the best end to it is like how the Shire actually ends up at the end of the book,
4: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. where it's you know it, it's volunteers and people with other lives
2: mm-hmm.
1: who maybe don't need to be there all the time.
3: Yeah, it's like just the best. Again, one of the like the best summaries of you know he's talking when Sam Vimes is Vimes is debating, like thinking about when people talk to him as a policeman, and then he's thinks, Oh, I hate it when civilians call me a policeman, and then he goes, Wait, no, I hate that I'm calling them civilians. And he says it was a dangerous habit. Once policemen stopped being civilians, the only other thing they could be was soldiers. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's a really good line. Oof, yeah. like yeah. Right,
4: right. Yeah.
1: It's I mean, it's like it's that it's that uh, it's the Battlestar Galactica line of the difference between the military and the police is that the is that the police are there to protect the people and the military are there to handle enemies of the state. Once those two become crossed, the people become the enemies of the state mm-hmm. mm. that I, like, I feel like that there's another like level of like there that, you know, if we had gotten like three or four, maybe Vimes books maybe there is a a deal of okay what what happens when the watch becomes this you know big expansive organization that has just grown and grown and grown and grown and well maybe what, what happens when Vimes isn't there right you've created this
2: what what happens state. when carrot takes over
1: right <laughs> the, guy, <laughs> the
3: guy who never met a lie he couldn't follow uh on
1: Anna is on his own team carried as a villain uh, that just happens <laughs> to be working for the good guys.
3: I mean, so by, uh he actually answered Terry Pratchett answers that. He because he says there's there there were times when the world did not need policemen because what it really did need was for somebody who knew what they were doing to shut it all down and start it all up again so that this time it could be done properly, which is a pretty strong indictment um
4: yeah.
3: of the whole system and yeah i think yeah i think it would be very interesting. just i mean would it be in a world po- like sam vimes retires and then sees his city watch like become like this military force and he, what does he do just like come back dissolve all the city watch you know, all all policemen are are right bastards
2: <laughs> oh man can you imagine what would happen if the you know the, the night watch or the the watch as it is now became what the day watch was in Guards Guards. Right, and mm. we came full circle.
0: I mean, what happens when carrot and vimes are on opposite sides of the barricade?
3: Where's Nobby Nobs? <laughs> is what I want to know.
0: Oh, Nobby Nobs!
2: Hopefully Nobby Nobs is happily is in in a happy relationship with a goblin woman,
3: which is fantastic. I love that. For I him. love it. Yeah. I
2: love that for him. <laughs> I love that yeah.
3: journey for them. But yeah, I mean, if Nabi Navis is around, then he'll just, you know, steal some stuff and uh, everything will get better. But yeah, I think that's I think those two themes, like the 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 theme of the role of police versus role of the military, he's, he really he addresses it. But the undercurrent, as we've been talking about, like the more I think about it, the undercurrent is, is kind of disturbing. in that without someone who is Sam Vimes, all of this becomes really troubling um jurisdictions spreading uh, spreading across multiple borders carrying out laws that are not on the books or enforcing laws that are not on the books um having basically having officers of the law from ankh-morpork operate in foreign countries which was <laughs> what's the espionage act for Ankh- ankh-morpork like you know where is that <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, if we're talking espionage, that's what the Dark Clarks are, right? Right.
3: So, is the City Watch getting in uh, getting in Venari's, Venari's business? <laughs>
4: There's a lot of
3: fan fiction that could come out of this.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that I think having the fact that nobody will ever nobody will ever publish a Discworld book again and like the fact that they're I mean, there are certainly, I'd say, like, especially in these last couple of books, sort of jump off points for characters, but it's still so open. Like, I think it speaks to how how good Terry is that, like, we can have all these conversations about what about what comes next
4: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and really shows how how much Discworld, like the disc has changed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All these books
2: and how and how fully developed the world is i was realizing i was realizing um the shires is just next to the chalk we oh. never we never actually touch on that but i was realizing that when i was thinking of the the you know comparison like the the kind of similar threads of thought with the baron versus the ramkins and the and also that the uh the mother-in-law in um and I shall wear midnight also has the the huge manor house employing a zillion zillion student uh servants largely to to provide those servants with you know money food lodging um mm-hmm. which the ramkins also seem to have done here mm-hmm. um and I so I pulled up the discworld map and I was like holy shit they're right next to each <laughs> other
0: <laughs> um which is wild. It's also weird seeing a map because of the whole, you know, you can't map a sense of humor.
4: Yeah, this yeah.
3: is the first time I've seen this, and I'm like, I'm a little in shock right now.
0: I think this might be from the next book. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't you can't lay a uh, uh, 1,200 miles of, of track without having a map.
3: It's true. Wait, oh, his next book... Um... Raising, raising steam. steam. Raising steam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have thoughts on And
2: that. this one even does have the train on it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. You know, we've got the shires and the chalk is just just up river.
0: Well, distances compress uh with with faster modes of travel. Pace. Yeah. Let's touch on a couple of the things that made of maybe bothered us. Um the the not Chinese food names, for example. Ugh. Literally the, always. What a what a cringed. terrible running gag.
2: Yeah. Um, The first, like, quarter of this book also had a really, really high frequency of, like, very gender-essentialist wife jokes, which I never appreciate.
3: Sam lecturing the daughters on what they need to do in the world. And I get it. There's that's a pride and prejudice joke. Like it's what yeah. everybody wants to do when they read pride and prejudice is like bust in and be like, stop it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, as a joke, it is funny, but also it's like a little bit more of like, ah, uh... uh, yeah. A lot of like, uh, come on, dude. Yeah.
0: I stand the lumberjack though. She's Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah. yeah she's great. I, I I wish her I wish her all the luck in uh, the many women I'm sure she's attracted.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I immediately thought of that that TikTok personality. Yep. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Sad that we all know who that
0: is. <laughs> <I was laughs> like yeah. Or maybe
3: it's good. I don't know. Um. Oh,
0: I forgot to. This is something I liked, not something that I felt awkward about. But young Sam, six year old. Um. I've had that kid. Like that was, that was my nine year old three years ago. Fascinated Uh, with poo. Fascinated with being fascinated with things like, and you know, there, there's a certain like pretty advanced vocabulary. There's a certain like glazed, but interested look that adults get when she starts (laughs) talking to them. (laughs) Like, you know, telling the waitress at the local diner all about the Titanic.
2: Uh, it's like people are both like charmed and horrified
0: yeah i they, was this kid yeah
2: I, I also was this child i was i
3: was this child multiple times <laughs>
2: uh
1: but yeah no, i honestly like uh, if if we had gotten a like a, 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 a young sam book would have been perfectly okay in my book
0: yeah <laughs> i would have really enjoyed that tween sam getting into trouble and Vi- and sam being like
3: <laughs> Sam having to revise a lot of the ways that he thought because now it's his son who's doing it and not right. him and now he actually is like concerned <laughs> versus it's fine. yeah, young Sam uh, young I like I like that he does he continues the um the literary tradition of young Sam, you know we got in you know we got him always reading to young Sam now young mm-hmm. Sam is literary literary ambitions of his own talking to authors and everything like that
2: which i will say that so terry terry did write you yeah, under the under the pseudonym of uh uh was well, Felicity Felicity Beetle. Beetle. Mm-hmm. Um, he did in fact write the world of Pooh. um it is a book that you can read it is very charming
3: i know what i'm getting for any children in my life from now until
2: <laughs> it is a very it is a charming book
0: I also own a copy of Where's My Cow, so.
2: Oh, fantastic.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, the, the the other thing that struck me as very, very familiar to, again, the same child, uh, when, when young Sam meets Tears of the Mushroom and is just like instantly her best friend. Yep. Uh, even if she's like, what's going on? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I have been on the receiving end of many equivalent of young Sam hugs. The, the description of like
1: instantly going to hold mm-hmm. tears of the mushrooms hand yeah like, yeah no i've've I've, I've, I've i i have taught that kid yeah
2: <laughs> what a good kid
4: yeah.
1: yeah
2: and you know honestly i am so happy that he doesn't seem to be following his father's footsteps
1: yeah
3: yeah
2: um and that and, and vimes doesn't want him to follow in his footsteps i
3: just hope he raises dragons in the country you know
2: yeah
1: like yeah it's like either he's gonna raise dragons or he's gonna become like a cryptozoologist Mm.
2: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: i think the
3: future is bright for young sam Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. provided that his father doesn't become napoleon
1: bonaparte (laughs) (laughs) i'm now like this is my head cannon for what for, for like this yeah uh,
2: isn't there isn't there a line at one point in here of that like vimes doesn't know what his son will be when he grows up but he knows that he'll do it well mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. which
2: is which is just, a nice line
3: yeah it's a beautiful line yes he has, yes he has the the great thing about about Terry Pratchett is that he has the pithy lines like that that get you um and that can either be humorous or just like you know get your right in your your core of your philosophical uh thinking philosophically about the world and then he just has like the hilarious ones uh and then the and then just like really sweet ones where he Mm -hmm. like distills a lot of human emotion love hope fear um that type of thing it's it's really such a genius for turning a phrase
0: oh yeah um so actually, I would love your thoughts on this, uh, it, with your experience in in the military. Uh, the quote that's one thing you learned in the military: you don't last long if you're a killer.
3: Mm, love, yeah, I forgot about that one. That's it is. So it's funny. Um, the it's actually a big, it's a it's a debate that a lot of people have within the military. Um, a a certain. Uh, A certain senator who shall remain nameless um, uh, said at some point last year that, uh, you know, we need the army to be basically prepared to kill people because that's what they do. The army does not exist to kill people. Let me just come right out there and say that the army exists to serve the people of the United States through their elected representatives in Congress and and the president uh, to protect the national interests of the United States. And that can take a lot of forms. And sometimes that takes the form of killing people. Um, often it does not. And there should no at time ever be where the are specifically the army's job is, you know, I break things and I kill people. No, <laughs> like if you look at the the history of the last 250 years of the US Army, most of the time we are not killing things and breaking people, or if we are, um, a lot of times it's for the wrong reasons. Um there's so many other things that the military does and is for at, um, down to the personal level. Yeah, no, if you are a killer, everyone around you, you know, kind of doesn't super duper like you. And also you're probably going to commit some war crimes. And uh, it's it is a real problem, though, because a lot of people do sort of think of the military as their primary function is to kill people. Um, that is, again, not again false, um, and so it's this philosophical paradigm of what people imagine the military to be versus what it is supposed to be. I think he hits that nail on on the head right there. Sorry, that was a, a long answer.
0: I mean, I I was teeing you up for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it was a good answer. <laughs> yeah um other things we want to talk about
2: so i I maybe should have put this up in the like things i was unclear about or whatever every time i read this book i am convinced utterly convinced that the slavers are also stealing and selling the ungu pots as snuff boxes which the book does not say at any point i mean they probably are but like every time i read this i'm absolutely convinced from page one that that's what that's what this is going to be in part and then i hit the end i'm like oh apparently it wasn't Mm
3: -hmm. yeah that's exactly what i thought as well like that this is just another form of sort of
2: yeah appropriation
3: slash trafficking
2: yeah especially when you know vimes first encounters them and realizes how beautiful they are um you know that i i keep it keeps be in my head that along with the slavery they're also you know taking the artifacts from these people and selling them along with this along with the you know other products of their labor or you know um, doing the
3: british thing and putting them in a museum
2: yeah it always just shocks me that that's not part of the book somehow <laughs> but you know it's it's already a it's already a kind of long and Long and kind of scattered book, so. Yeah. I'll just, I'll just, they'll just continue to be my headcanon. And every time I pick up the book, I'll be convinced that that's what's going on. Because it probably is. Let's be honest here. It fits.
3: If the the incredibly, uh, if the incredibly speciesist shoe fits, then. uh,
1: I mean, it's, I mean, I would, like, one thing I forgot to, like, say in, like, a theme of this book is. Have you wondered why your luxury product has suddenly become a lot cheaper? You know, <laughs> like, the answer is probably because a disadvantaged population is being exploited and taken advantage of. <laughs>
2: yeah, fast fashion,
1: and how
3: no one in more pork, is looking into it. Yeah, yeah. A, no one really cares about where their stuff is coming from, which is pretty much accurate. Yeah.
2: Yeah. it's fine you, you you get a deal when you buy it in bulk <laughs> yeah the the
0: side trip down to to Harry King's domain and you know the the goblins down there um that was that was interesting. uh this isn't the last we're seeing of Harry King either uh, oh, i I would expect that he is involved in a large scale in,
1: uh, and <laughs> infrastructure project. yeah, yes
0: before we wrap up, I also wanted to highlight that rabbit starvation. Uh, which the goblins are possibly suffering from, is maybe a real thing. Uh, It's definitely caused by, you know, functionally only eating lean meat. Um, You can starve to death that way. Uh, But whether it's specifically because of, you know, a missing protein in rabbits or something like that, not really the case. But it is, it's a known, it's like a a, a trope.
2: I'll buy it. I would expect that it falls under the like if you eat only one thing primarily, yeah. then like also please take a multivitamin.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Thus the fruit supplementation that they're doing.
2: Yeah. God, I want. I God, yes. I wonder if they got like scurvy or something. Probably. Ugh. Ugh.
0: Protein
3: deficiencies.
0: Are you ready to do our ratings? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All right, uh, Justin, you want to lead us off?
1: I have a warm feeling of vex melancholy with our last
0: vimes book. Anna.
2: I'm giving it two and a half out of three elements in the Holy Trinity of Ungu. Uh, angry
0: staff officer.
3: Oh man. I'm going to have to rate this um, three out of four slices of bacon on uh, on, a, on a Vimes sandwich.
0: And I'm going to give it seven out of eight cigars in a box mark six. Uh, <laughs> more than I hoped for, but less than I wanted. Uh, before we get to the uh, next book, uh, Angry Staff Officer, how uh, do you want to be found on the internet, and if so, where? <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, generally, these days, I would like to just be curled up in a fetal position in a closet, but um, <laughs> uh, I guess the internet will have to do. Um, <laughs> while I'm still on the slowly collapsing dumpster fire that is Twitter, you can find me at uh, ppt sapper um and you can also find a, find me writing at uh angry com. uh however unfrequently it might be there's still a large archive of just rampant star wars nerdery out there for those that are interested
0: well thank you so much for joining us for uh for this book uh i'm glad that it was uh fresh in your mind when we first talked
3: oh and thank you for having me on i um the the times where I get to talk to people about Terry Pratchett, who where they a know who he is and b don't get the look in their eye that Pratchett <laughs> describes when an enthusiast <laughs> talks to them is uh, it's a little rare. So this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much,
0: uh, Justin. You want to read the uh, Raising Steam blurb?
1: Yes. So this is going to be Raising Steam Book Forty. Mr. Simnel has produced a great clanging monster machine that harnesses the power of all the elements, earth, air, fire, and water, and it's soon drawing astonished crowds. To the consternation of Ankh-Morpork's formidable patrician, Lord Vetinari, no one is in charge of this new invention. Who better to take the lead than the man he has already appointed uh, master of the post office, the Mint, and the Royal Bank? Moist von Litvig is not a man who enjoys hard work, unless it's just depended on words which are not very heavy and don't always need greasing. He does enjoy being alive, however, which makes a new job offer from Veterinari very hard to refuse. Moist will have to grapple with gallons of grease, goblins, a controller with history of throwing employees down the stairs, and some very angry dwarfs if he's going to stop
0: it all from going off the rails. We're so close to the end.
1: Yeah, we got two books left.
0: It's wild. Dang. Yeah. And I guess we need to blow the war crimes air horn for this uh for this episode too. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> The Complete Discography is an independent production by four people who just really like these books. All opinions expressed during the show are our own. All quotes from primary or related works are used under the fair use doctrine and remain copyrighted by their original owners. The music from this podcast is sourced from Incompetech. That info can be found in the show notes. The rest of it is distributed under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution non-commercial no derivatives license. Share it. Please, share it. But say where you got it, don't make money off it, and don't change it. Connect with the show at Etuin Pod, which is A-T-U-I-N underscore P-O-D, or email us at atuin.pod at gmail.com.